Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Well, hello, hello, hello. It is straight talk, and we are a little bit behind today, but that's because we were off with the senator trying to get some folks elected here. So, hi, everyone with TQ5CL. How are you? You, how's it going? Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you good. I I, I see lovely lady Ross there. Hello. Hi, my darling. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Actually, I was really sick last week, you know, with the flu or the cough or whatever people have been getting. But I'm better. I'm better now. And, uh, you know, just thankful, you know, for being a part of the team. And uh, unfortunately, I just uh, got this other job and it's just killing me right now. You know how that is. I know the bills have got to be paid. Yeah, we got to pay the bills. That's right. <laughs> hey, uh, where's Roslyn? Roslyn, do you yes, have a, do you have a guy named Bill that eats with you every evening? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I got a dude named Bill that sits down and eats with me every day. She's got a whole lot of guys these days. Boy, they are after her now, boy. She's become too famous. Oh, is she famous? Oh, oh, so your Bill is a different kind of Bill. I love it. Oh, no. See, she don't get those bills. She she gets results to getting those bills honored. Well, she's tough. I love, I love, yeah. I love, he needs to stop. He needs to stop. Oh, <laughs> okay, so tell us, Lady Ross, how's L.A.? How's everything going? Right now it's pouring down rain. I mean, it's pouring. Mm-hmm. Pouring right. cats and dogs, man. I oh, love you know what? I love I the rain. I thought it was because I saw the uh, overhang on Hollywood Boulevard for the Oscars. I said to myself, I said, it must be, it must be raining. It's pouring down. Cats and dogs. Wow. That, that rain must be coming from Mexico or Hawaii or something. Coming up from the uh, south. I don't know where it's coming from. I love it. I don't care where it's coming from. <laughs> I love the rain. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's bypassed us all together up here in Northern California. Although, um, us folks with knees and backs and Tennis elbows, we know about all that. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. Yes, ma'am. Yep. All right, so who else do we have here? We have Lady Roslyn, we have uh, Barbara, Sister Barbara, and we have uh, the Galaxy Chief, Andre. And then who Mm. else do we have? That's it. And I did send out text to several people that are internal, you know, a couple of the artists, 
and I also sent one out to Lorenzo, and just to see if we can get a T25CL discussion going. And oh. no, no videos have gone out worldwide, so the world does not know about this show. It was, it was supposed to be like a uh, a staff meeting type of a conference. Okay, but we might have we might have listeners out there. We never know. So, but anyway, whoever you are, if you're out there listening, welcome to Straight Talk. Even though this is an internal get down. Y'all is part of it, and we'll be back <laughs> next week with some exciting updates to what's going on in the life of makeup artistry and, uh, and, and entertainment and all that. Okay, so go ahead, Andre. All right. Well, let's start with you. What's up with straight talk? And so since this is just an open conversation, we're going to base it around you with straight talk first and and the things that you are are doing. So why don't you give us an update on what you're doing with the pageant and any upcoming new and great things for your show. Let's start with you first. Oh, okay. All right. Well, all right. So um, I'm just giving honor to God for some of the wonderful opportunities that I've been given lately. And um, I've spent many, many years, uh, Rosalind, in entertainment, working with uh, kids, grooming. I worked as uh, the executive director of what's called John Robert Powers, which is up. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of John Robert Powers, uh, haven't you? Um, I'm not familiar. Okay, a barbazon, <clears throat> any kind of uh, training that young people take in order so they can either go on and be acting, actors, models, uh, TV personalities. Uh, that's kind of where I come from. And I spent many years in that industry. And so I have a lot of young people, like when I was living in Vegas, I had a lot of young people who I worked with when they were little kids. And when they get up to be older and great things happen to them, they remember me and they remember my business partner, Nicholas, for being the persons that help them find their talent or help procure their talent. And so one of my girls just won Miss Black California, and she was actually on last week with uh, Miss Keisha, who's the head of the Black California pageant in uh, Los Angeles, um, which is the entire state. She's over the entire state. And that feeds into Black Miss Black USA. So um, <clears throat> I thought it was uh, very interesting that uh, my girl had to go to Southern California to enter in the pageant in a city that, you know, she's going to school in opposed to being able to go into a city in Northern California and compete and represent Oakland where she was born. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they did, we don't have any representation in Northern California where girls can be groomed, can be partnered with, and then can have their talents developed and, and compete for Northern California. So recently, I've been named the regional director for Northern California Regionals. Congratulations. So gonna, well, thank you. So what we're going to do is we're going to find Miss San Francisco, Miss Black San Francisco County, Miss Oakland, Miss Black Oakland, 
Miss uh, Santa Clara County, Miss East Bay, and those are girls that are 18 to 26, African-American and intelligent girls. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for people who fit the mold of a beauty pageant contestant that she could leave our pageant and go right into Miss USA or Miss Universe. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, we're giving away scholarships. We're trying to have a really beautiful pageant in late August or early September in Northern California, and we're going we're gonna to create these four titles. Now, we also have a franchise for, franchise for Miss, what's called Miss Talented Teen, and Miss Talented Teen is from 13 to 17. So we can have, a simul- so we can have two pageants on one day, and we also are in control of the Tiny Miss and uh, the little smaller tiara kind of pageants that people do. You've seen these pageants on television. Well, we have the right to do it with the Miss Black California name and entity. So that's what's going on, uh, getting these pageants in order. And um, this Friday, uh, Miss Black California, uh, Miss Talented Teen USA, uh, myself, and Keisha and several of the ladies in Sacramento are going to be received in um, the capital, the state capital. So we're going to have a photo shoot. We're going to have several newspapers involved. And those girls are going to be, I guess they're going to receive a plaque or some kind of accommodation from the legislature. Now, let me ask you a straight talk question. Yeah. Now, this is your 58th show, right? Mm Mm-hmm. All right, let me let me pick your brain a little bit. What has been the most memorable show that you have done on Galaxy Talk Radio, Straight Talk with the Higher Brush? The most memorable. It doesn't have to be the best. It doesn't have to be the worst. But it's the most memorable show that you've ever done. Well, um, I want to say my first show was probably the most memorable because Rosalind helped me all the way through the show. And I think <laughs> another show that was really memorable was when the whole show quit and you guys had to take it. I mean, you I remember over. that. Yes, yes, yes. That was, that was good. And then the one show that I pushed the wrong button and the show was canceled uh, before it started. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, that was a memorable I stories, honey. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, so I think those were the most memorable. But then when I really um, start working with my heart and think about what show did I really love, I really loved when Skip came on and talked to us about some of the wonderful things he's done <laughs> as being part of Cooling the Gang and the Dad's Band. I think that was my best show. All right. Now, have, now what about the challenge itself? Because um, I don't think you've done any radio broadcasting in your past, have you? Well, I've been a guest on several shows. Okay, but shows. doing your yeah. own show and getting no. prepared for a show every week, how has that been from your regular profession to prepare for a show? And what goes into preparation of a show? Because you guys 
have these guests. I mean, all three of the moderators, you guys bring on guests, and, and then you have these tremendous opening statements that you say about them. And how do you guys find these people, and how much prep time does it take to do all of your research and your homework, and and then you want to come up with all these questions and stuff? Um, what goes into uh, preparation of a show, and then how do you find your guests? Okay, Rosalind, you want to go first? Oh no, this is for you. I'm going. I'm going no. to get oh, your this, oh, oh, this is still on straight oh, off. Oh, yeah. I got it. Okay. Well, first off, uh, being that I've worked in the industry for uh, many, many years, I hate to get to getting on the numbers because the numbers make everybody nervous. So I don't want to say how many years, but I work with a lot of celebrities. And people always want to know, well, who have you worked with? What's so-and-so like? and What they do and this and that. But as a makeup artist, you know, I'm the most intimate person that someone works with. So the bottom line is, is that I'm more or less paid, I'm a paid secret weapon. So I don't really get a chance to take pictures with my clients and reveal their innermost secrets and what did we use on so-and-so because that's not what it's about. So when you're talking about a radio show and you're talking about exposure and you go from your own database, it's very difficult sometimes to get people first off to want to talk to you on air because uh, – I don't know if it's really more nerves from their side of it. I'm unsure of what you might say about them or what might be revealed. Um, or if it's the fact that um, people are all busy and it's very difficult to get people to be firm about their commitment to the radio show. Everybody wants to do it. But when it gets time for them to sit down and really focus on just giving of themselves in this different type of genre, sometimes um, it becomes, that's a challenge in my respect. And then uh, secondly, preparing for a show is, you know, trying to understand what your audience wants to hear, what would create new listeners to listen, and then thirdly, how to keep listeners that are already following you to return. So that's the, that's the quasi-moto, you know. How do you make all of this happen? And uh, so I, I think that would be the challenge. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's, let's switch over to Rosalind for a second. Let me pick on her for a while, and I'll pick on you some more later. All right, Rosalind Jordan Mills, famous singer, actress, producer, writer, um, someone I've had the pleasure of meeting some, uh, what, four or five years or so ago. And it's weird how we met because we met online on, on tag, actually. We're, you know, we're friends on tag. And then one day she sent me CD. And I said, holy crap. This thing is nice, especially number eight. It just drove me up the wall in a good way, not a bad way. 
And so then next thing you know, uh, things happen, and she becomes part of the teacher's ICL family, and she gets her talk show, and then she produces the uh, concert, the United We Stand, and it's, we've met so many people now over the years, and this is one thing I can say with all three of the talk shows, inclusive of Lorenzo, is really something to meet all these people every week and their the diversity and their backgrounds and stuff and and that's just been one real rewarding experience and i tell people all the time the galaxy Dark radio is one of our most powerful weapons so with uh you my dear sister rosalind let me ask you the same question, the preparation. And you have got to be the most busy sister in show business. I mean, working daily and then preparation for shows and then all these artists, you're jumping back and forth between Beverly Hills, choir rehearsal. You are stupidly busy. So how do you prepare for your talk shows? Where do all these people come from. All of a sudden, they just pop up and say, holy crap, where'd she get this one that one? And then the research that you do when you're doing your opening monologue, where do these people come from, and how do you do your preparation for your shows on Galaxy Talk Radio? Uh, well, you know, it's amazing. It really is amazing. Um, When I first started this, well, you know, Andre, I, man, this was just something we were just playing with, you know. Yep, exactly. <laughs> we were just playing with this thing. And then we said, well, hey, well, let's let's try it out. Let's see how where it goes. Well, this thing took off like a rocket, okay? Um, it went out to the stratosphere and, and beyond. Um, I think um, when I first started this, I was excited. You know, as you know, anyone is with a you know something new, like a new toy, like a kid and got a new toy, and oh, let me see what this does. How can I play with this? You know, and who can I find to play along with me? Well, um, when I started, of course, it was it was um, a, a challenging. You know, we all have our starting points. Uh, learning how to uh, work the radio, work your programs and everything like that. But I got, you know, with the help of you and uh, Mr. Ricardo Burgess, of course, we were able to get this thing going. Um, but later on, um, I found that it is a work. Um, and, of course, with um, some of your guidance, Andre, you know, I was able to know how to, um, you know, do a radio show and to be a commentator. So, um but once I got into it um, and doing the study, because you need you have to be on when you're on the air, you got to know what you're talking about when you're talking with these these people. Uh, you just can't um, be shooting it off the cuff. You have to know what you're talking about. Do the background. I do their history. I always do a history. I do a background on them, um, and then uh, of course I get their information. But Getting the individuals and how I got the individuals, just like I, when I got Lenny Williams on, I mean, he was just so happy to come on my show. And the thing of it is, what I find um, when I ask people to come on my show, oh, they, yeah, when? What do you want me to do? When do you, when do you, want, when do you want me to come on kind of thing, you know? 
And then when I start networking, networking is so key. When you have individuals who come on your show and you network with people and then they pass the word on about T25CL, Galaxy Talk Radio. Hey, Rosalind, she's got her own show, got her radio show. Oh, really? Hey, I would love to be on your show. Uh, when, when, When is your show? What are your topics? What do you talk about? And I let them know. And I think what's key about our show is that they can just, like I always tell them, hey, just kick back, relax. Hey, you know what? We're going to have a good time with our show. Um, And then they always, some of them, even when I reached some of these contacts, they say, well, where do I have to show up? Do I have to show up at a studio? Or do I just, I said, no, 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 no. You're doing this from the comfort of your home or wherever you are. You can be sitting anywhere. And just call in, and we can do your interview, you know. Oh, yeah, okay, well, yeah, let's do it. So by word of mouth, by networking, um, you know, a lot of people have come to me wanting to be on the show. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I love it. I love it. Uh, I love it. Yeah, I mean, it was very rocky in the, in the beginning for everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. And all of us went through that learning curve. But, uh, and what I noticed, too, about the show, you know, they um, start out, you know, kind of flat a little bit. Then all of a sudden there's this guy who always types these questions in and uh, behind the scenes. And then all of a sudden uh, things start changing. And then when you get these artists to really start talking about the stuff that they uh, really have gone through in their life experiences. And um, that's when the show really picks up steam. It takes about 20, 25 minutes of show or so for everybody to get warm and comfortable and all that. And then they really start talking about the things that are really endearing to them and what's in their heart. And that's when it starts really kicking off. The next thing you know, because when you first start out, you say, oh, crap, can I get this over? Oh, maybe this show's going to last a half an hour instead of an hour. Next thing you know, they go into an hour and a half into two hours because it just starts picking up a life of its own. So now, let me just throw this one out there at you, too. Uh, the same question I, I deferred to uh, uh, Barbara uh, with was, what is your most memorable show and why? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> so crazy. Uh, well, can I think of the most memorable? You know, I've had a number of shows i'm getting close to almost almost 100 shows um yeah, you're up there you're I'm, up. I'm yeah i'm i'm up there um i think i've got let me see i've got like 84 80 85 shows 84 shows mm-hmm. and um i've had so many memorable shows i mean um Let's see. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, I think when I had my panel of women, mm-hmm. that was a memorable – That those are memorable shows when I have panel of women that come on and we're discussing, you know, different topics. 
um, when we had, um, let me see, <coughs> Lenny Williams, of course, when I had Lenny Williams on. Lenny um, is always fun. Yeah, and then, um, let me see. Oh, yeah, when I had <coughs> Libby, Libby Halevi on. Um, and then Miss um, Debbie, I can't, forget, oh, I can't remember her last name, but uh, she took it out to to Space World. <laughs> I love that because that, that, that's what's key about my shows is that, you know, when the, when the questions are posed to our guests and when um, some people put these questions on the board that takes you way out to left field, um, that makes it so exciting. So, I, I, you know, I've had, you know, memory, many memorable uh, moments, even when I had the one with uh, the international call with Pradeep uh, Supka, yeah, out of Nepal. Pradeep, yes. That was, that was, uh, that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, because, of fact, that was our first international call. Um, uh, even with... Um, uh, cousin Lou, uh, Lou Phillips, and the four Kents. That was that was mm-hmm. cool. That was cool. Um, so like I say, even with Orrin Williams, even when I had Orrin Waters and mm-hmm. the Waters singers, who was phenomenal. I mean, even now they still contact Mac Frack. I'm getting ready to have them on my show again. But they were they were you know a, a group that had done such great. Accomplishments. I mean, they've sang with like uh, Patti LaBelle and Janet and Michael Jackson. I mean, they did the, the music to uh, Happy Feet, uh, Lion King. They did um, the music to um, uh, Moving On Up, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh, I love it. They, they, were the, they were the voice to that theme song, you know. So with Orrin and his sisters, Julia and Maxine, that was a phenomenal um, interview that I had with them. So, you know, it goes, the list goes on. I've had, like I said, 84 shows, and, and, and I'm looking forward to even more memorable shows. Oh, also, uh, Scorpio uh, was a good show as well. Yes, yes. Scorpio. Scorpio is a Michael Jackson um, oh yes, yes, yes. Impersonator. Yeah, you don't call him impersonator. You call him something else. Remember, he said that. Yes. And not even if there's another name that you that you call. Oh God, I forgot what he said he was. Yeah, yeah. But there's another more because he doesn't want to be identified as somebody that's imitating or copying uh, Michael Jackson. But there's a more professional. A tag that he put on it. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, you know, you have a lot of. Well, at the time he did say he was. Let me see, not impersonator, but um, ah, uh, a tribute or something like that. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I don't know. But, but it, it was like, a cool tag he, that he had. It was, yeah, it was, it was a full tag. tag. It was it was a full tag. Yeah. Um, but the thing of it is, is that he um, looks. If you take a quick look at this young man, you say that was Michael Jackson straight up. I mean, he sings like him. His moves are like him. He goes all around the country doing Michael Jackson uh, tributes. And so, um, yeah, he was another great one. He was another great one. 
Okay, two quick questions before we open up the board. Is it, do you find that you have to do more preparation if you are going to go on the stage and do a show, or is it more, I mean, when you're singing, or is it more preparation doing a, a radio uh, talk show? Oh, hands down, when you go on stage, hands mm-hmm. down, hands down, because you have to think about rehearsal, you have to think about arrangements. You have to think about the musicians. You have to think about your background singers. You have to think about the songs. You have to think about the list goes on and on and on when you're on that stage. Being on stage is, of course, my niche. I, I love being on stage. Even uh, today I was on stage front and line. I, I mean, I, I love what I do. Like you say, I, I'm stupid busy. I'm not crazy busy. I am stupid busy. And... <laughs> And, you know, just to take some time out to be taken out to lunch or, you know, do something else, you know, to let my hair down for a minute, you know, that's, I, I need that sometimes. But I am, I sit back and I look how crazy busy I am between uh, work, I work every day, and, of course, uh, my ministry being on the front line of that. And then with T25CL, which is my heartbeat. <laughs> I love my T25CL. Um, and um, looking to see uh, so many great things being accomplished through our company. But, yeah, uh, hands that, down, music. Let, let, me, let me throw something out here now. Now, you know what hooked me in, in, in number eight. And, okay, for the people out there who don't know what number eight is, it's I've missed my time. <laughs> and it hooked me five years ago and it's still hooking me to this very day. I cannot listen to that song without tears coming down. I'm, 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 I'm compromising my manhood. So my boys <laughs> out there, be cool. I know Jomi is on, so brother, be cool for a second now. Bear with me. <laughs> but uh it's 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 just it's a very very intriguing song that really hits your heart. And uh, the only thing the world hasn't heard about it because if the world the world the world had heard about it, it we would have sold a hundred million of those CDs right now. What was it? What about I missed my time? How did you do it? Why did you do it? What was going through your head? Oh, I got tears coming about down my head. I just thinking about the song. So what? <laughs> and brother Joey, don't don't go laugh at me, man. So uh, tell us about I Miss My Chat. Well, um, it was. You know what? It was a song that almost didn't make it. Impossible. Uh, Impossible. Yeah, no. I know. I know. I know. Um, when I was um, at my producer's uh, studio, and um, he was just playing on the keys, you know. And when he was playing on the keys, it was like early in the morning, um, and we were just sitting there talking. And then, of course, you know, when you're sitting there talking and you're sitting down, you start writing lyrics to a song. And... I think at that time, um, his wife had left out of town. He's talking about how he missed her. And then I says, oh, man, I missed my time with you. You know, we was just messing around. And then he started playing the music, and it just, something just lit up in me. And 
I just took that music. I says, continue writing that music. Just, just write me a bar. Write me a couple of bars. And when he did, and I took the, the lyrics home, and I finished writing the lyrics, because you think about there's so many times, you know, when I first wrote it, you know, God says he misses our, his time with us in prayer. We, a lot of us, we don't pray and ask God, you know, bless our day. Go before us and take those crooked places. But not only that, but then individuals, people who are in your life, you know, couples, um, your mother, your father, it could be anybody that you miss your time with them, you know. Mm-hmm. Early in the early in the morning, you would take the time to pray, whisper softly to them. It's just like even with couples in the morning, you know, you want to whisper softly to that person that you love that you you lay beside, or you know, it, you know, it's just those those kind of thoughts. Because I'm a romantic anyway, I can't help it. I'm sorry, I'm just romantic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I wrote this song, um, yeah, those kind of thoughts were going through my mind. And then, you know, when I take it, took it to the bridge at the end, you know, just call on me and I will answer. Just call on me and I will answer. Show you great and mighty things. Your face can't even know. You don't even know. So that's what I, that's what I felt when I started writing this song, you know. Put it how on did my you face. make it all the way How could you sit up and sing that song and, and make it all the way through? I mean, it's, it's incredulous. Well, I, I mean, it's, it has this effect on so many people because you did it at the family reunion, you did it at my father's funeral, and it just has an effect. And there's just everybody's boohooing all over the place. I mean, how can you do it and make it all the way through? I mean, do you have to detach emotions when you no, when you're no, performing? no. No, Andre, you have to realize that this song is there's a lot of noise in the background. I can't hear you. I don't know what that noise is. I might have to mute, Barbara. Okay, all right. Well, we, uh, forgive me, but we've got a caller here. Let's see. Caller, you're unmuted. Oh, oh no. Okay. Oh, hold okay. on, hold on, hold okay. on. Oh, no. Okay. What? <laughs> All right, caller, who are you? State your name and come aboard on Straight Talk. This is Brother Bob traveling. Hey, hey Brother, Brother Bob. Bob. How are you? Hi, Bob. Good evening to all of you. Hey. I've been listening to the show, and I've been traveling. I had so many places today. It was unbelievable. But I heard the lady talking about uh, uh, that beautiful entertainer, rather, talking about uh, Michael Jackson. And uh, a story came to me with my group. When I was in Hollywood, I went down to Motown, and we had a lead singer. And we had a chance to sign with Motown with my group. I talked to the people, and we refused because they wanted us to stay in a motel uh, and practice, not singing, but dancing and stuff, and not doing our craft, and we had a record hidden already. So I relate to uh, somebody sounding like Michael Jackson or sounding like uh, Stevie Wonder and uh, being held back. And I could relate to that in a way when she was talking about uh, Michael Jackson and the young man who sounded like Michael Jackson. 
uh, he probably could just get on out. Uh-oh, we lost him. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Hello. Oh, yeah. we lost him. Uh-oh. Well, I'm sure he'll come back. Oh, he'll, he'll be back. Okay. He'll be back. All right. Let, let's pick back up on where we were with uh, this one. If, if, only if you can recapture that point. If you can't, we'll just move on to the next subject matter. Yeah, because you asked me how, how can I finish singing that whole song without breaking down, but you got to realize that song is me. That's mm. me pouring out everything I am. That's who I am in that song. I, I put me into these songs and, you know, what um, God has inspired in my heart, you know, in my soul, in my spirit. So, yeah, that I feel those are my emotions coming through those songs. You know, I, I used that song when we did the Czech uh, 40th Year Reunion, and I put it in at the end when it did a tribute to all the fallen soldiers from the class of 72. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I got more calls back on that from class members who saw that, you know, of course, it was the camaraderie of the 40th Year Gathering was great, but the one thing that everybody commented on was that tribute and once again it's just that when people hear that song it it really turns them out and it's also a part of the united we stand video uh, that we did too and it had uh, a very uh, severe impact you know with uh, pops when he went through his moment there yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. So it 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 really 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 gets to you. And so it was one of the greatest songs, in my opinion, that's ever been produced. So well, thank uh, you, sir. Now, now that I've mentioned United We Stand. Let's let's talk about United We Stand. Hopefully, Joey will be calling back, and we we lost him too. But um, United We Stand. A show that we produce collectively together between you, me, and um, Ricardo. That show, the concert, was a very, very memorable event. I've been a part of a lot of concerts, and one of the main ones I was a part of was Groovin' for Grover, the tribute to Grover Washington, Jr., and uh, featuring Gerald Albright and several other great, well-known artists. And I thought that that was one of the greatest shows I've ever seen. But United We Stand, even when it comes out in the movie and on on uh, T25CL, you still don't have the effect that you have when you were there seeing it live and in person. It was, it was just a great, great, great show. Producing that show, it took us several months to do it. Um, why don't you recap your experience in putting that show together and uh, a small independent company like ours that's growing, and that was sort of like in our embryonic days of coming together and developing. What do you remember about bringing humanity we stand alive all the way up to the opening curtain. Whew, boy. I mean, <laughs> we want to start from the very beginning um, when uh, 
oh my God, we had you know these couple of gentlemen that uh, will remain nameless. Um, that where we started that from when we started with the Tanzania uh, effort and uh, wanting to get um, uh, that shipment of school supplies over to uh, Tanzania. Um, but the um, I think the groundwork started there um, when we were trying to focus on the theme, a theme that we were um, um, really focused on and trying to accomplish um, from that point on. Um, the most, um, the most endearing part that I think really was um, really working with the artist. Um, was, I'm 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 gonna get some uh, DW40 for your chair, Andre. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I've been I've been meaning to do that myself. <laughs> now that was a you know, good one because I thought it was one of our guests. Oh my goodness, that is Andre in his chair. Um, but. <laughs> But I think um, as a producer, as a music producer and music director, I think um, when I started, uh, when we sat down at the drawing board and we thought about, okay, who were the artists that we were going to use? Who were the musicians that we were going to use? And, and again, networking, networking. Um, it was just networking through uh, uh, Joel Scott that I got Stan Martin and the Martin Brothers. Um, they had just did the Oscars playing behind Adele, um, and then they came and did our show. Uh, talking to Stan Martin, he's a great gentleman, um, really down to earth, him and his brothers, Andy and Steve. Um, and then picking the artist when we met Miss Brenda Lee Ager, oh, my goodness, remember meeting her? That was through a different connection that we had. Mm-hmm. But I but uh, when we saw her at her show, but then she called me, you know, and wanted to come to the direct source, which was T25CL. She didn't want to go no other way. Um, that was a great, uh, um, a great nugget that we got. And then, of course, we had Myron, of course, and then, of course, we had Charles already. And then um, through my uh, connection with uh, uh, Ron Bishop, and um um of course um Charles that I was able to meet Mark Allen Felton. Mm-hmm. And so it, you know, the list went on and on and then of course the way I met uh Pops at the Bella Fette is was I was down there at Lamert Park. See it, it was a lot of footwork. It was a lot of footwork um down here um in LA putting the acts together and of course with, with you guys and your trips down here um you know but um being Lamert Park and you know just asking around you know asking around and you know I uh one fella just told me well yeah hey there's a there's a dance troupe over there that just asked for just ask for pops and he owns a little drumming store around there and I went over there to the little drumming store and that's how I met pops and Afatu and their dance troupe, and a phenomenal, I never, my wildest dream ever thought that we would 
um, be able to acquire such a large dance troupe out of purely out of Senegal. Some of them didn't even speak English. And um, the um, other ones that wanted to join, um, because they saw the effort that we were putting into this concert, they were all excited about this concert. And yeah, then yeah, I, we had that rehearsal over at Debbie Allen's studio that night. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah. That was a memorable moment that evening. Mm. And uh, one of my favorite dancers, uh, Brother Babacar. Babacar. Yep. Yep, yep, and Barbara Carr is one of the lead dancers with the troupe, and I mean the boy's bad. Yeah, and yeah. it just so happens the evening that we did United We Stand, he was already booked for a performance in New York, and he couldn't make the show. And when he got back, you can tell the story after he got back and when they told him about the show. Yeah, when he got back uh, from his trip to New York, he said, you know, of course it was, you know, exciting and stuff like that. But see, he was in basically most of the rehearsals here when we had yeah. him. Matter of fact, he was in mm-hmm. the video, you know, he was in the video. That's right, but that's right. Here, yeah. when we had you know, all the rehearsals, going into Paramount uh, Studios, uh, recording the song, he was there. He was here for the whole nine yards, and then he got booked in New York. But when he got back, and all the troops and everyone, you know, every, all the dancers and everyone who told him about the show, he broke down and cried yeah. because he could not be a part of our United We Stand. He so desperately wanted to be. Uh, in mm. and, and that other sister, too, uh, uh, she had a daughter, and she was like a teacher. Please forget the phone in the background. And usually I usually mute this thing out when, when that happens, but now I can't do it. Um, and I, I can't remember her name, but she had a daughter in the performance, and she was like a teacher and an instructor, and she was going to be there, but she got called away as yes. well. And they were phenomenal dancers, her and her daughter. Mm-hmm. All yeah. of them were. All of them were. Every single of those dancers were phenomenal. Yes, they were, and it, it was just great. It was a great, great production, and even that sister, yeah. too, came out in the yellow dress, it did uh, the precious song. It, it was it was just a great look. Great, great, so, great look. yeah. So putting this production together uh, from the musical aspect, it was a lot, a lot of hard work. I mean, um, I did have the help of Charles Small, who helped me a lot, and of course my phenomenal Norman Jackson. Oh, That's right. Give it out, Norman. <laughs> Norman is a phenomenal. I mean, he's an accomplished musician and keyboardist um, whose um, a mother is uh, from um, uh, South America. His mother, his dad is African-American, but his mother's from South America, but he was raised in the musical family because his family sang. But he has played with major churches. He's on tour right now. He's doing a couple of tours with Stephanie Nils. He just got off tour with J-Lo. Um, this is how bad this young man is, but the fact of the matter is he loves coming back home and playing at my church, 
and playing when I sing. I mean, he, he he's there. I mean, last week I, I was supposed to sing, but they moved my song up to, to today, and he took the tour out of town. He just went on did the tour out of town with Stephanie Mills. And I, I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, this boy, he, he likes to come home. When I'm singing, he wants to play, make sure I'm singing that day. Um, but, of course, he plays everybody else. But, you know, it, there's such a camaraderie with Norman because, you know, he, he comes with that feel that, you know, he's come from the black gospel. Um, but he's a phenomenal musician, and he helped, a, I mean, uh, he contributed a, ma- a major part of putting the, the musicians together, you know. And I think that was another thing, that was another struggle, a little bit of struggle I had as a woman, as a musical director, and you have all men musicians. And if, any, if anybody knows anything about artists and, you know, musicians, they are so very temperamental and, you know, emotional and, you know. And so as a woman, I mean, there's a couple of times I had to put my foot down. And so after I did that, they stopped messing with me, okay. But, you know, they got in line, and, of course, everything turned out right. Um, but the fact of the matter is that, you know, it it, it does get a little tough um, as a woman, but uh, I think after a while um, everything really um, came into play, you know, after we had that meeting at the Warner Grand Theater when we, we had a rehearsal, and I made everybody get off stage come down and have a seat in the front row and we just had a one-on-one talk with everybody and let them know how everything, you know, how we're looking to have such a successful show and this is what we were expecting out of everyone as musicians, as individuals, um, you know, as a big family because we wanted to have a successful show, which it was. Yes, it, it really was. And, and it's one thing too, even the artists to this very day, um, you know, henceforth since the show itself, you know, everybody got treated like royalty. Now, we have a host of independent artists. Now, they're not on everybody's talking points or discussions at everybody's dinner table every night at 5 or 6 o'clock, but the artists that we do have, I mean, they're just as good as the main brand artists that everybody knows of. They just haven't jumped over that hurdle as yet to reach that pinnacle of success. But we've got, we, I hate we to could, cut in. We got a couple of other callers. Hold on. We got somebody from East of Virginia here. All right. Hello. Hey, you're on the Straight Talk, and we're having a staff meeting. We got Pastor Bob, Lady Rod, Galaxy Chief, and who are you? This is uh, Jomi Bird. <laughs> how you guys Jomi doing? Bird, Andre, uh, Barbara, how you guys doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, yeah. Virginia right now? No, no. My uh, phone, my uh, cell phone is from, you know, has a Virginia area code. But uh, I'm right here in the Bay Area with you guys. <laughs> oh, okay, love it. And Pastor Bob, we have you back? Oh, yeah. I'm back in coming through the stratosphere. <laughs> okay, all right. We were just, just double-checking. Okay, the subject matter is, in fact, uh, um, United We Stand, and we're doing a little bit of a recount between Rosalind and uh, Andre. So go ahead. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I, was, I was on United Stands for a reason because I was going to use that as a segue and over to Brother Julie. And so, uh, no, but our artist is very gay. <laughs> Just remember how memorable it was, and everybody wants to recap that into um, another big event going on that big stage because a lot of these artists, they get on these little small stages and these little small joints and stuff and playing in front of 50, 7,500 people or so. But, you know, we're on a tremendously big stage. It's about 40 feet wide or so. And, you know, you can do a full play on that stage. And it, it was just beautiful ambience and everything. And, and everybody wants to get back to it. And, you know, we put everybody up in the hotel, fed everybody and stuff. We walked from the hotel to the theater to rehearsed and so all of that was it was just a great 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 time just yes. one of the most memorable times in my short entertainment history now i want to segue over because it's still not over with the uh, united we stand because what we are doing now is we've taken the show itself that we shot and it's all been edited down and everything and mastered and um, the music portion of it. And now what we're doing is telling the story because there is a real story behind this show. This just wasn't a bunch of artists getting up on the stage just singing a bunch of songs and that's it going home. No, we were conveying a message because at the time we were involved with uh, United Nations spinoff organizations in Europe and Africa, and they were gearing up for this 2015 Millennium Post Agenda. And with the Millennium Post Agenda um, set up by the United Nations with their Millennium Development Goals, the intent is to eradicate one billion people off of poverty rolls um, in Africa and in the Middle East in the year of 2015. Now, of course, you know, they're way behind those projections for sure, but what we were retained to do was to be the media component to bring light to these issues going on in Africa and the Middle East. And with our um, ability in entertainment and, and production, we decided to do this jazz show and now we're in the process of telling the story and a few months ago is when I met uh, Brother Joey and he's uh, brother is a, he's a screenwriter he's very talented he's an instructor he holds a master's degree and so we've had a few meetings and because of my hectic schedule I just can't do everything and so now Jomi is producing these six segments that's going to be telling the story. So, Brother Jomi, why don't you tell us your experience in bringing this together because you are doing a very integral part of this thing because you have been retained to tell the story of this music event and tie it all back to the continent of Africa. So yeah. tell us your experience with this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks, Andre, and thanks for, uh, you know, all the props and everything. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, yeah, right now, 
you know, um, uh, my experience has just been uh, uh, doing a lot of research on these uh, countries and, like, uh, bringing everything together with it. Um, we have these talking points on it, and the artists will uh, speak to these points. And then also what's, what's going to happen is these uh, same artists, like, um, uh, as they're speaking, we, 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 you know, we have great footage and pictures in the background and different things to depict what's going on. And, like, I'm so excited about it. Like, I can't wait for you guys to see it because it's, it's just going to really bring a lot of awareness to what's happening. And it'll, it'll make you guys feel as though you're actually there, like some of the footage that we do have. And we're going to try to cut it to, you know, 60 seconds or something like that. But, you know, I might be talking to Andre, see if we can push it to 90 because we got so so much really good oh, yeah. footage on that. 90, 90 is cool. 90 is cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but, um, yeah, definitely uh, – just the fact that um, researching these things and bringing um, awareness to, uh, you know, health and wellness within those different countries, um, uh, predominantly West Africa. I know Andre was going to deal with, with, with Malawi a little bit, and I'm like um, four countries finished with it. Actually, I'm going to be sending some stuff over to you, Andre, probably tomorrow or the next day, like done with it, you know. Um, so it's definitely exciting, and we're really touching on those key points, uh, uh, women's rights, uh, education, the children, um, agriculture, those different things that need to um, have awareness um, and, and a need for us to talk about it so we can make some changes over this so everyone could um, do their part to help out because um, I know T25CL, we are doing our part, you know. Yeah. You, you made a comment, too, about a week or so ago and doing uh, your research that there were some things that you were not aware of Tell the world right now, you know, here we are in California. I mean, we're 10,000 miles away from the Epic Center. What type of knee-jerk reactions did you have? What was it that was surprising to you in this experience? What was it you didn't know that you found out? So I didn't know that... So many of those countries um, spoke English um, or French. You know, I have reports to 75% French. You know, um, I didn't know that, um, like, Liberia was named after, like, like, like um, the capital city was named after uh, one of the U.S. presidents, and they set their structure of their country around, like, similar to the United States. Uh, like, some of the things, like, dealing with, like, uh, Ghana, like, I didn't know how great of a country they actually are as far as, like, how peaceful it is and how great the economy is and how they just struck all of, like, um, how they just struck all over there and how they're trying to um, use that. So they really got, like, like a great economy in place there, but they're having a lot of issues with women's rights and respecting the women. There's a lot of sexual abuse going on. So I found a lot of good things, and I found some things that really raised an eyebrow. And I was like, whoa, okay. But, uh, yeah, just to speak to that, yeah, so those are some of the things that really stuck out. Do you did you see in your research that Europe still has a stronghold on these African countries? Yes, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, a lot of my research it was a lot of like Europeans, like for instance, and I was speaking to you about this. Um, I think it was uh, Senegal where they brought um, black people over there to the actual country. You know, and they uh, did that, and because um, they said that, well, you know, black people, America wasn't their country, and they need to be in Africa where they think that we actually are from. And then they brought us, they brought those people over there, 
and then um, they actually uh, set up a uh, uh, set up a, a country similar to America, you know, similar to the country that we were enslaved at. So, like, mm-hmm. Europe definitely has their stronghold on it. I mean, I love the, the you know the language, the way everything is structured as, as far as the government in all these countries, and um, you know what a lot of Europe will do is they'll bring over their um, people to help out and, like, send doctors and different things like that. And Europe and America both, they they both, like, kind of seem to have um, a lot of control in those countries um, um, when I was doing some of my research. Uh, gentlemen, uh, can, I, can I say something? Uh, I, I don't know if you know this, but the number one language, the universal language for black people is French, number one. If you want to speak to most black people on any continent, it would be French opposed to English. Number two, in South Africa right now, can you believe that there's a new billion-dollar city coming up in South Africa, and it is under the control of the Chinese? So the new um, the new tyranny that's going down in, in Africa is coming from the Chinese same as it's affecting the U.S., but they're building a billion, billion-dollar city um, in South Africa. Has anybody heard about that? No, I do know that the Chinese uh, do have a strong toehold in Africa. And I can talk about They're definitely investing in the continent. Go ahead, sir. Hello? Yes, yeah. go ahead. Okay. Uh, I've been there. In uh, Africa, many places. My wife also went because she was traveling and raising money for the orphanages in Africa so they could buy tractors and other things at the orphanage to raise their own foods. But while I was there, I found out I was in Senegal and I went all over the area there. And um, I found out that what is occurring is that not only are the Chinese getting a foothold, but you also have people from Australia and from Germany who are going in and getting the minerals. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have some of the greatest minerals that for making glass in West Africa. I'm talking about top-grade glass and solar panel material. And so I, when I was over there, I uh, purchased a, I purchased property in West Africa with the African gentleman, and I just gave it to him so he and his family would have property and land right on the freeway there because they were being brought up by all of these different countries. Now, they do speak English, but they also speak French, but they also speak Spanish, but they also speak German, but they also speak Chinese. The kids do this. And you don't, many times, you don't even know, they know the language until they're around somebody trying to talk to them and get a job or something. They are extremely intelligent. But they're being ripped off by other countries. And I believe that India and China are the ones who are, Building more, building more stores. I call them African mom and pop stores, et cetera. And they're just spreading out, taking the property away from the people for a little nothing. And so what you're going to have is a whole 
territory of people over there owned by the Chinese, the Dutch, Australians, and the Germans. This is what's happening over there in Africa. And what's wrong with us here in America with our money equaling the 10th uh, largest country in the world? African-Americans can't get together here and go over there and help their brothers build. They got all the sense. They talk all this stuff here in America about what they got, the construction people, the architects, the lawyers, the accountants, all these black people with all this stuff, and we can't even go over there and ship mangoes from Gambia, which is off the coast down there of Florida, into the United States. There's been a separation between us and our relatives in Africa. And if there is this line of demarcation, you know, we hear often when, when American white folks will say the Africans think that they are better than us. And when I was in Nigeria, I was getting interviewed by a reporter, and I told him, the same blood that flows through my veins flows through yours. And he said, oh, no. He took an exception to it. Even Africans, they draw a line as well that we are not the same as them. And I really have to have a little debate with him. There's Brother Valerie, and he still writes me to this very day. But there is this mindset that we over here are different. I'm not saying better or worse, but we are different. Now, it's one thing, too. You know, the Africans were were guilty, too, in the slave trade, almost as guilty as the Europeans because they allowed it to happen. Now, once we came over here, our bloodline got diluted. We lost our, our, our culture, our name, our, our religion, and then we took on the religion that was given to us over here. We took the names that was given to us over here. But one of my experiences, you know, before we did the World Championship fight, I went down to uh, Badagri, which right, is right there on the coast, and I got a chance to go to the slave museum where they captured slaves uh, by this chief. His name was Chief Moby. They were held in this little room, maybe about the size of an average person's living room. And they were held there. And then I, I picked up the chains that they put on the slaves. And these things are heavy, 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 pure iron. And then all the other devices that they used to put around their lips to keep them from talking. And then I went out of the museum and went across the road to this flat rock and this door. And on this door, it had the door and no return. This rock was flat, and this flat rock is what the slaves walked out on, and they went out into the little smaller boats because this was shallow water. And they would go out from that lagoon to the deeper waters to the slave ships, and then once they boarded the slave ships, they were never to see their homeland again. But the real spiritual awakening that I had 
was when I stood on that rock and looked out over the lagoon, it seems as though this was all part of the mission while I was there, not necessarily only to win a world championship in a boxing ring, but to go there, to go through this experience of all of our ancestors, what they had gone through, because as long as our skin is black, no matter what it's diluted with, I don't care if it's Indian or white or whatever it is, the basis of our DNA came from West Africa. But it is a very, very spiritual experience when you can stand on that rock and look out over that lagoon and look out to the Atlantic Ocean, knowing that your great-great-great-grandmothers and grandfathers were once taken from this area, going up and down that west coast, and then taken against their will and put into the hull in a hole in a slave ship for six months to make that sore journey for 10,000 miles going across that ocean and ending up here in this country and then enduring uh, 310 years worth of slavery. And now here it is, we're some 150 years after that, and we're still trying to figure out why did it happen, what happened, and also who we are as black folks here in America. And so my experience may have been a little bit different than yours, Brother Bob, and I don't know if you visited any of those um, slave chambers or not, and if you have a spiritual awakening uh, with that either. So I'd like for you to kind of elaborate on your experience, too, when you were there. Well, we went uh, we went on on the various islands right out in the river there where they kept the slaves. Uh, they had built chambers underground and they cemented the chambers underground and they had little bitty peepholes in them. We visited all those places. We saw the graveyards. We saw where they kept them outside and chained them outside in the middle of the river. We saw that too. Uh, We saw the markings on the wall and they had marked in different pictures and things on the wall that we saw. As a matter of fact, if I didn't lose all of it, I videoed all of it. If I can still find all of my videos, I videoed the chambers, the people. Uh, I even uh, visited uh, Kuta Kente's family and village mm. where they still had uh, the Kente name and the leader of the Kente family there was a woman. Oh. Uh, was Kuta Kente's great 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 grandmother, or something like that. Uh, this lady was quite old, and uh, we visited their village. We sat down and we talked to them, and they talked to us about what had happened. And we found out that, you know, uh, like he was saying, my brother, that number one, a lot of the slaves were given over to the man from other villages, and they they took and captured people in other villages and brought them and sold them 
for a little or nothing, like they did the Indian here, the wine, the beads, the pretty cloth, uh, something that looked good, uh, and they sold the flesh for that. Uh, also, we must understand that there were the Arabians who also came in and captured people inland and brought them to the West Coast. So we had a lot of people over there bringing the slaves down uh, to the West Coast. It was quite, uh, I looked at it as being so doggone inhumane and how you could treat people like we were seeing. It's almost like visualizing the people there and hearing their voices hollering and screaming, suffering and pain in those dungeons. You could actually see that. And it's like you could still see the blood spots on the chains and the blood spots on the walls, Mm -hmm. uh, that these people had been there. But these people over there take a pride, and I did not have an experience where they thought we were uh, outcasts or different from them because we were American. They brought us in. They accepted us. Uh, I've been there several times. When I go, I call my partner up over there. He's a taxi driver. He comes to get me, pick me up. And, you know, I, if I have to go to his house and sit out and eat where they the big bats, I go to his, his village. Uh, and, and they just treat me like family when I go. They don't treat me like I'm some outcast from the United States. Uh, so I, I had quite an experience. I know one thing over there, they don't like drugs in the area down there on the West Coast with the Africans. Uh, they would, uh, as a matter of fact, we were told that the government didn't even mess with people who took them out and uh, killed them in the jungle and left them. And uh, they did not like, uh, in the area where I lived, they didn't, they didn't like men to act like women, and they didn't like women to act like men. They were stoned. They were stoned or what have you and taken out of some place and left. The government and the, and the police never said anything about it. What I really did not like over there is that, and God forgive me for this, but I don't mind saying it. I got to tell the truth. The white women and the white men coming from the European countries having affairs with seven, eight, nine, and ten-year-old kids. I could not believe that wow. was but it was happening, and I almost got because I had my, I, I, they told me you had to cast some protection at night, and I had it, and uh, I, I wanted to just jump on this guy who Funding a little seven or eight year old girl on his lap, little black kid, and giving them money. This is happening. You want to talk about AIDS spreading? Come on. AIDS is spreading that way. These people are coming in using these kids and spreading diseases. So I, there were a lot of things over there that occurred. We can't ship from the West Coast. Uh, from what I understand then, I don't know about now, but we couldn't ship their products like fresh fresh fish. By the pounds they have it, fresh, beautiful fish. But we can get it from the uh, Canada and all them other countries we can ship it in. Uh, they have uh, fruit and vegetables just falling on the ground, rotting. We have a big mango thing going in the, in the U.S. right now. 
we can't even ship those mangoes from over there. They won't do it. They're right, they've been riding on the ground. I don't know what's happening now. So black people can go to the West Coast if they can unite with some money and really have a beautiful business coming from West Africa straight into Florida. They could do that. But like we've been talking, my brother, Ward, and you've been talking about unity, and, and Baba talking about unity. When is somebody going to get the unity together and quit talking about it? I've been talking for days and trying to get, I've got now maybe about five or six people like the idea, and I'm telling them to see if we can't build and do something. We can well, do I'll start right here at T2RTL. When we had uh, Lorenzo's show a few weeks ago, when we uh, consciously decided that we were going to start this economic revolution, and this would be a revolution that whereas we were going to come together as as black people and utilizing the spending capacity that we have here in the United States, That's which right. is excess of a trillion dollars on an annual basis with That's all right. sources of revenue and money generated. I don't care if it's Social Security, unemployment, disability, your business, your uh, income from your jobs, whatever, black folks, 50 million black folks generate excess of a trillion dollars a year. And now, but the problem, the real crime with us is we just are not recirculating that dollars amongst ourselves and letting it grow and creating our own economy that's inside of an economy. And that's, that's what I call for a, a black or a, an economic revolution with us and then if we start building that here at t 25 you know the world knows what we're doing with entertainment but what if other black folks decided i don't care what it is clothes shoes instruments whatever it may be and if we started trading amongst one another then this is how we get the respect of uh, the politicians and the investors that are here in this country. And then once we finally get our mindset together, then absolutely we need to be dealing with our homeland. Of course, that's what all intelligent people would do. When I had my cosmetology school, I mean, there was always communication with my Vietnamese students and, and their families in Vietnam. Their goal was to get them over here and start their own business. That's true. So my cosmetology, my Vietnamese cosmetology students, they would go in there, they would be at school every day, and they would graduate right on time. And what would they do? They already had jobs waiting for them in their own, with their own people. That's and, right. And, and they okay, started circulating around. Can I say something? Go ahead. I've been listening. And you know what? I, I agree with many things, but I guess you have to call me a black nationalist, okay? Because my feeling is, okay, let me, let's start with Vietnam. Okay, let me tell you what's really happening with the nail shop. That ain't no job. The way that works is it's a $25,000 bounty that they pay, the family pays to get them their papers so they can come over here. When they go to the cosmetology school, the cosmetology school serves to give them the trade in which they can come up and pay the money back. 
So they're an indentured servant from the time that they get here and they don't know the language to the time that they work five years in the salon before they can pay that money back to whoever made it possible for them to come over here. So now you can look at it as family if you want to, or you can look at it as a black market to get your papers to come to the United States, work five years, go to school two, and seven years you can be on your own, maybe in ten. But I had too many people that were doing my nails that would sit there and tell me, I ain't the boss. I give the money to him, and eventually I'll be able to escape. That's the way that was. Yeah. Let me tell you about the African thing and us. Just consider the fact that how we ended up in slavery has to do with the fact, the same thing with Native Americans. We're part of tribes. We're part of histories as dynasties of royalty of tribes that were warring fashion. So the the problem that we see is when we say Africa, we look at Africa as if it's, you know, directly where we come from. It is not, first off. Number two, we're not welcome in Africa to do business, not like you all are saying. That's not so. Because we don't have a direct line. Nobody on this phone call can can produce a direct line with paperwork that will put you back in an African village and put you back in a tribe, whether it be Zulu or whether it be this, that, and the other. This is why we have separatism. We can blame some on the white people. But the bottom line is we've never in our DNA had that idea of working together because we come from different tribes. And that's the bottom. When we understand how we were nomadic, how we were territorial, how we were foragers, when we start to understand how that worked and how, it, how we don't build wealth off of the paper wealth, our wealth was built off family and off hierarchy and off the power in our women and our men and off the not necessarily the same acquisitions that the white man is telling us is what is truly power and success. We're not the we're not the made the same. And I think that's the problem when we think about going over there and doing business. Now, first nope. off, Africans, I know Many, many Africans. I've done business with Africans. They don't care to do business fairly with us. That's number one. And number two, our government doesn't allow us to put ourselves in a position to be able to make the money with them the way we need to. The only way we can really do business with them is to loop through England or loop through France. But we can't do it directly with Africa because it's too unstable. I'm telling you. You That's not true. I got to interrupt there. I got to interrupt you. Bob, how much fashion fair did I sell to Africa? I I don't know how much fashion fair you sell to Africa, but I do know one thing. Uh, Everywhere I went, they had on some kind of fair on their face. So why ain't fashion fair there? Okay, they, because, they because everything that everybody fair. else wears. And something because, else. 
let's forget about always talking about the white man this, the white man that. What about the black man, period? And as far as the DNA test goes, you can trace your your your, your uh, business back to the DNA uh, of, of what you have, the particular village, a particular tribe, probably, if you got the money to do it. But, I, you know, I don't even want to go there. Where I want to go is this. What are we going to do as African-Americans here, as we are called, and Indians, as we are called, do something here to unite, to get us rolling and producing and making and backing each other and then moving out? You understand? Forget that white man stuff. Well, that's that's where the economic revolution was coming in, is when we can become strong with an economic base. When you're weak, nobody's going to respect you. You can't deal with nobody. Yeah, you can't nobody. deal with Tijuana. If, if you fall, <laughs> but if you start building up uh, an economic base and you become a power, a you, know, you, can, you can deal with anybody on the planet if you have the economic and political power behind you. And once you get the economics, you got the politics. You can make things happen. But when you have nothing... Nobody, you just, whatever little you have, somebody's going to steal it and take it away from you. So, uh, you know, that's why it starts at home first, building something up and then going outward. Right now, we don't have the capital base. We don't have the unity. And this is what we're trying to do. This is something we brought up a few weeks ago. And it hasn't been talked since then. And see, that's the thing. We have to change this narrative into action. You know, a thought without action goes for not. And so we have to exchange this soliloquy that we discuss into actual implementation. And, you know, T25CL, we're doing it. That's why we're on this discussion right now with United We Stand. We're, we're, we're addressing this issue, and we're going to put it on the screen. And with what you put it on the screen, it exchanges into an economic base. And once we start getting this global um, recognition and started generating the revenues, we'll start hiring people, and then we'll do exactly what Pastor Bob and myself are, are, are saying. But it okay, starts I'm right saying. here and actually doing it. Andre, check this out. Go ahead. All right. So since I've been working with this pageant, I've been working with really intelligent, upper-echelon black women who want to do something for our – we always talk about how the black men is endangered. You know, really, black women are endangered. Because if you really look at how we're seen, I mean, if you look at how we're the butt of everybody's joke, if you look at the fact that our own men put us down, that we're not protected, we're not raised above, we're not lifted up, you know, we got a hard-ass life. Now, let me oh, just come stop on, right there and let, me, and let me explain something to you. With this Miss Black California pageant, I have had four girls recently who have contacted me to be a part of the pageant. And out of the four young ladies, that have contacted me, all four of them, their first question is, why does it have to be black? Why can't it be, uh, 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 why can't everybody, it's not a real pageant, 
one girl said, it's not a real pageant if everybody can't be in it and compete. We're so, when you start talking about how do we fix us, it's an anomaly that we have to do piece by piece, and we got to start with our kids. And we have to give them back their self-esteem and their self-worth because every day we send them to school, a piece of them is ripped out. Because that's what school, American school system with their history books and with their lives and their stories is all about. So what we end up with is smart kids, but they're smart with the rhetoric that they've been taught and they haven't been taught the truth. So therefore, they don't value anything that is black. And this is something that we're just seeing in this generation right now. This was not in my generation, and it was not in my son's generation, but it is present in my daughter's generation. And I'm telling you, in order to start building an economic base, we have to get our kids back. And the only way we're going to get our kids back is each one of us grab one and show them their own personal self-worth and show them how to be economically sound and show them how to be drug-free and to have morals and to be satisfied in their own skin, not running after what the white man whose house we live in says, this is what we got to do. Well, see, here's here's what I (laughs) say about about what these these sisters are saying, why you got to call it black, is all the talent that we have, let's just stick with the Hollywood thing since that's where we are right now. You know, you have these great films that are, are coming out. And what happens, the, the black films overlook, the black directors are overlooked, the black actors are being overlooked, the black writers are being overlooked. And now even in the, the music awards they had a few weeks ago, when when the black folks are putting out great music and getting the most sales and stuff, and what happens? The, the whites win it, and and so they don't have to call theirs the white Oscars or the white Emmys or the white this or white that. All Come they on. do is elect their own white people. Come on. And so what about us? We get left out of all this. So what we're going to do is okay. We're going to call it black just so that we can get recognition in our own community because right the on. white community is not recognizing us. And so if we're going to call us the black Aussies or the black music or the black whatever it may be, we're going to do it until we get recognition and respect and so we don't have to call it black. I, I kind of agree with the sisters. We, yeah, why do we have to call it black? But until we start getting respect in the industry, I don't care if it's Wall Street or if it's Hollywood, judicial system or whatever, when we go call it black, and when we start making billions and billions and billions of dollars like them, they're going to come back and say, oh, I'm sorry, come on back in, because you taking that money away from our white bank. And so, okay, come on back, and guess what, Negro? We're going to give you an award this time. So you don't have to have no black this and black. You don't need them on BET anymore. Come on over here to ABC. Now, it, it, no, we've been tricked and duped for so damn long. And so if we're going to have our black beauty pageant, so be it. If we're going to have our black movie award, our black music award, so be it. 
And so it's just we're getting left out of out of the white mainstream anyway. So what's wrong with having a black this or a black that? I don't give a damn. Call yourself a black pageant until we get some type of respect in this world. And well, nothing, wrong, yeah. nothing wrong with what you said, my brother. Nothing wrong with what you said right now. But I got to yeah. say this. Don't uh, Let's forget about, see, once you focus on what the white man doing, you can't focus on what you're doing. So I'm not mm. focusing on what the white man doing. I know what the white man has done and what he's doing. But I'm focusing on what I can do within the community and raise up some children. As far as the children in the community going to the schools and what they're being taught, sometimes uh, if you're not in the community, in the schools, you don't know what they're being taught. Because at McClymouth High School, at Skyline High School, at Fremont High School, there have been some great black teachers who not only teach black history, but show these kids how to go to Harvard University, how to go to Yale, uh, they send some to Grambling, Louisiana Tech, Oklahoma State. These teachers, I have personally met the black teachers who go in to help these kids who are living in poverty areas with families on Social Security and welfare and go to UCLA and USC. There are some teachers right here at these schools in Oakland who are teaching this. Of course, my wife have to be one, but they are teaching this right now. So, look, we got them there. We got, we're training the kids. The kids are being trained. So we have got to back up the teachers who are doing the training, okay? Sure, a lot of parents are going off the hook because they themselves didn't have parents who trained them. We know this. That's all over the place living in the community, but we have got to come in to the school with the people, and we got to push this type of thing. And we can do it, but we're not even doing that. We can't even okay. agree to disagree. Okay, let me just let me just let me just let me just preface that. There was a conversation once about one of our rappers, Kanye West, standing up and taking an award away from Taylor Swift when Taylor Swift was going to win for video of the year, when Beyonce had come out with like some 10 videos, I mean, it was definite that Taylor Swift was no competition for Beyonce, but they gave it to her anyway. And I can remember people saying, how dare him? How uncouth is he? Oh, what a drunk he is. Oh, I just can't stand him. But you know something? Let me tell you what I witnessed tonight. I witnessed Neil Scott Harris, or whatever his name is, on TV with the Oscars, which they've already said, this Oscar is going to be the whitest Oscars that we've had in a long time. Mm -hmm. So we're going to make sure that we give the message. Here we had Octavia Spencer in her beautiful gown sitting in the front, one of the front rows, one of our leading ladies. We had one of our leading ladies, Miss Oprah Winfrey, with her gentleman escort, Mr. Sedman, and they were sitting in there, and he thought it was funny to say, would somebody stop giving Octavia Spencer snacks in the back because look at her, and then went straight to Oprah and said, and Oprah's too big, and I don't mean in a good way. I mean, you know, we need black men 
to take the mic when they get the mic and then stand up and say, you know what, don't have my black sister in your mouth because whatever you got to say ain't funny. Because we, that's what we need from our black men. We need y'all to quit with this, well, whatever they say is okay. They don't hurt you, so we need you to. Don't say up. y'all to me. Say them if that's what we, not y'all, we please. Need, we, we, we need you to stand up for it, just like Kanye did. I don't care if it's out of order because <laughs> this, is, this is what the problem is now. We're living in a time when it ain't right and wrong no more. It's about the morality compass of the nation. And this nation is going straight to hell. Now, this, now, that's the bottom line. And so we need you brothers to stand up for the sisters because we technically are helpless. We're waiting on you. And what y'all what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? You don't have to wait on anything. If you want to lead and do something, lead and do it. Don't wait. You don't wait to eat. You don't wait to drink water. You don't wait to go to sleep. If you need that, you do it. So you step out and you do it. I'm trying to step out and do it. I've never downed a black sister, even though some black sisters have done me some terrible things. (laughs) But I don't down them. I said, okay, just get on away from it. I've been married over 40-some years. You think I'm not backing up my black woman who is a, a, PH, a Ph.D. in preaching and, uh, and, uh, and uh, doing oratorical work and men don't want her to stand up in the pulpit? Come on. I've been fighting that, and I still fight it for her to stand up in the pulpit like any other man because she's a great preacher. She's a great teacher. So standing up for the black woman means standing up for the cause. For the what is the cause? The cause that we need to unify together and quit trying to that's a split when we talk about the black woman need this and the black man need this. That's a split. And if you split, you are conquered. What you need to say is we need to get together and forget about the male female situation and think about an economical situation and put God first. That's what we need. The rest of the stuff can go. We don't need the rest of that mess. And as Kanye West and Beyonce and all them folks out there, as far as I'm concerned, I don't know what they're saying. But all I can hear about it, I heard about it today, and I heard about it yesterday, and I heard about it the day before. Let them go do what they want to do when they get ready to do it, okay? And if people don't recognize it, then their managers and their promoters are going to have to get them recognized some more. But if they're rich and ain't doing nothing in the community, what are we hollering about anyway? If they're not starting no businesses coast to coast, if they ain't setting up no school to teach black history and teach kids economics and mechanical engineering and architecture and doctors and nurses and stuff, if they ain't doing that, what are we crying about? They're living in, 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 you know, up on the hills, and, and uh, spending big money with private jets and everything, that's Oprah, too. We could cry about Oprah and see how good and what she's doing. What you going to do with $5 million when you die? $5 billion, when you, you're going to leave it here so steadily somebody can spend it? No, I'm sorry to say it that way, but spending where it's going to help us in the community. All of them people together can chip in and form or some type of <coughs> foundation or something in the community that can produce something that can make something. We don't make nothing but noise. God forgive me, but I had to say it that way. 
come on, come on with it. And and I gotta also say something too, Sister Barbara, is here at T two five two Hill, I think that we're setting out a damn good example. We have you as a woman. We we have Sister Rosalind as a woman. We have uh, Sister Kemba. We have Desire. We have uh, Sister Sandra. We have Brenda Lee Edgar. We have Barbara Morrison. We 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 have women. We have black women, and we're not excluding any other colors whatsoever. And but no, but you're right. And we're not gonna let anybody disrespect our women. I mean, even even our dear sister sister Robin, she had an incident the other night in Beverly Hills. Uh, the the owner of, of our of our spot there at home. And she had a discussion with him, and you know, hey, let's get some dates set up with with our artists. And he, what does he do? He gets up from the table, goes into a kitchen, and slips out the back door and leaves our sister just sitting there. Now this wasn't a white man. This was navy-haired Negro. And how disrespectful can you be? Just gonna leave a black woman? just sitting there. She done drove 40 miles to meet the cat because she can't get him on the damn phone. He won't, he won't answer the text. It, but uh, it, but she goes there to meet with him, and he disses her by walking through the kitchen and out the back door. She goes looking for him. as a sad where's he? Oh, he went home. That is the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate disrespect. And, Don't talk to him no more. Don't we, talk. We, 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 we don't do that to our sister. And as hard as she works, the sacrifices that she's making and, and trying to get things set up to bail his black behind out, only drawing 15, 20 people a night at his establishment. We yes, have that. the great Rodney Hudson who wants to come in and, and assist us in packing the place and taking discounted rates to, to come in there and perform so that he can help T25CL get built up, so that he can get the establishment there in Beverly Hills built up. And what does this fool do? Don't sit there and leave the sister just sitting there. Don't sneak out the damn back door like a little coward. What kind of mess is that? You have to leave him alone, my brother. You have to know You have to know that when you got a hyena in the pack, you know a hyena in the pack eats all the garbage and the dirt, and a hyena in the pack will run away and slip back later. So yeah. if you got a hyena in the pack, you just got to get the hyena on out and forget it. Don't care what kind of place he got. Don't care what kind of business he got. If he's that disrespectful, do you want to do business with him? You, you can't. You can't. I mean, we just have to move on. Move yeah. on. Well, well, well. You know, it's always been it's always been my philosophy, and I've had highs and lows in my personal business. So in dealing with uh, people in entertainment, it's all about timing. And many times, you know, when you try to do a series of something, it's not always well understood and well um, responded to, especially with someone who needs help or needs or, or is not having a great relationship or a great uh, experience right now in their own personal timing. So it's almost like uh, the formula works like this. You get yourself something great going, and the minute you get something great going with someone who really likes you, then you strike out at three different other opportunities while you're riding that tide. 
and that next tie takes you to the next tie. That's the way it works in entertainment. So you can't go to one place and say, well, let me create a calendar for you unless you have a contract, unless both parties have to sit at the table. That's the bottom line. Because people will not, if they don't have good practices, you can't expect them to change their spots just because you're there to do business. Well, you know, in, in it, I, you know, I've been in entertainment for years, and so I've seen all kind of mess in entertainment. I've seen good owners, and I've seen bad owners. I've seen owners where I've traveled uh, 500 miles to entertainer to entertain and got there, and the owner skipped out with the money and jumped on the airplane and traveled another 500 miles to get away from me, so they wouldn't pay me. So I've mm-hmm. seen all kinds of stuff in the entertainment world, but what we got to focus on is what we can accomplish with whoever we have. And if they can't cooperate and you're trying to produce something for them that's going to be beneficial not only to, for yourself but beneficial for them, then you have to escape yourself. You haven't – see, time is short, folks. Life is short. You don't have time to play with half-steppers. You just don't. Because mm-hmm. if you play half-steppers, you wind up being a half-stepper. And nobody wants to do that, be a half-stepper. And so there are many places probably that will allow you in L.A. I remember playing L.A. myself at a Peyton Place. I played at Peyton Place. I played at A&M Records down there. I played at uh, down at, the, I think, the 50, 52 Club on Hollywood and Vine or something down there. I played, I played L.A. And we had no problems because they wanted people in the places. It was so many in order to draw people into their places. They wanted good entertainment. It's the same way today. You got good entertainment, you put them in a blank place and do some advertising, you can draw. But you got to mm-hmm. keep it. You see what I mean? But don't, don't people who walk out on you and they're half-steppers. I've had some uh, nightclub owners to do that. I wouldn't even go in their, in their place and work. I wouldn't go mm-hmm. work today. I'm okay with. I just wait. I'm not coming there, man. I'm sorry. You did this to me last year. I'm sorry. Don't don't count no money out for me on the table. Your green ain't good with me. And I'm you know, the way the way you com- the way you combat that. Like I think um, I think this weekend, I think it's the 27th, 28th, or 29th. I think of February is the Bel Air Wine Festival. And uh, that's right up the street from from uh, Beverly Hills. And, uh, you know, just like we do all those wine festivals, you know, we've got the Bay Area is known for about, I'd say, 30 of the top best street festivals in all of America. we got some of the best ones. I've worked at all of them through my career. Bob, I think you remember when I used to do three festivals a weekend. Yeah. But, 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 my, but my point is, is that what I would do is I would bring my talent and put them on the festival stage, block off the street right in front of his club, and show you this is what you could have had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I would do. I would block off the street, get me a permit, and I would throw me a street festival right there in the middle of Beverly Hills, right in front of his club. <laughs> but I would be done. But I would be done with him. But that's a vendetta thing. Vendettas don't work because it kicks you back eventually. You have to think of another way to do it, a way that would would enlighten someone 
uh, to the fact of what they did miss and they'd love to have you and pay your price. Never do a vendetta. What I'm talking about is building an audience because that's what you have to have. And that's the problem with his establishment is they don't have an audience. So, therefore, he can't commit because he can't use his own Rolodex and find an audience. That's what I'm saying. So once he sees an audience, then that's going to change the way he's going to respond. Can I reiterate in here? Yeah, come on. All right. Um, I just talked to Ronnie Hudson today, and out of the blue, I got a call from Atlanta, Georgia. I got a call from Atlanta, Georgia, because um, he found out his name is Latif. He is a road manager for a number of major artists, including Ronnie Hudson. He called me up and says, Rosalyn, I heard you're having a situation here and you're trying to get Ronnie into the into uh home. First he thought when he called my number, he thought I was home. I says, No, you called my personal line. I says, this is Rosalyn with T two five three L Entertainment and yes, I'm dealing with Ronnie Hudson and we're trying to get him to uh get get him to play at the at home. And he says, well, I understand that you had the dates of the 13th, the 14th, the 20th, and 21st. I said, yeah, but uh, those dates are gone now. I said, all I have right now is the 21st. He says, all right, well, look, uh, this is what I want to make happen for you. It says, you get with these people and let them know. Ask them if that date is still available. I said, you know what, let me confirm because the the girl, Sharice, she's going to call me tomorrow after she talks to uh, DeAnthony. So I told Ronnie Hudson the situation. Of course, he got he was just totally just. Of course, he was just totally pissed. Of course, uh, mm-hmm. especially you know, after knowing after knowing what uh, uh, D. Anthony did, he he's he's really another. One. He's done with D. Anthony too. But look, Ronnie says, "Look, Rosalie, you know what I'll do for you? Because you know what I like you and Andre. I I really want you know to you know work with you guys because you you're you're good people. You're good people." Because generally, I don't deal with people like this. Once, I, once this guy turned me down when he did, did me uh, the way he did me for New Year's Eve, he don't know what he's got. He don't know who Ronnie Hudson is. And so Ronnie says, you know, I just tell him, give us that day for the 21st. You give me that day for the 21st, Rosalind, we will pack that place out, bring my band there, throw on the best show that he has had, and then walk out. Just so he'll see what he passed up on, and I want to make sure that he deals you, you know, deals with you right because you're trying to make an effort to make this. Like I told you last night, I went there. It was a Saturday night. Do you know how many people they had in that place Saturday on a Saturday tell, night? Tell, tell the whole world. It'll be all over the world. Tell them. twelve people, twelve out of a out of a place that can pack three hundred or more. Hmm. Well, he's losing money. Losing money, ain't he? Yes. Yes. Home of Music and Entertainment. In Beverly Hills. Okay, so this is my point. My point is that you're dealing with someone who doesn't have the formula or is not operating in his timing. So when you're working with people like that, that's going to throw you off. No, 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 no. 
no, 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 no. See, this is what I'm trying to tell you, see. Whether it's his timing or not, this has been going on for even before we got there. So when I got there, I said, look, when me and Andre and Ricardo sat down with D. Anthony and his partner Steve, that this is what we want to do. We want to, we see, because I've been in that place before, and I said, let's bring some entertainment in, because Barbara Morrison was playing there when I first went there. I got invited to go there. And I went there, and I said, wow, this is a nice little establishment. I like this place, but hardly anybody in here for Barbara Morrison. I said, well, maybe because, you know, it's a little jazzy, and it was on a, a week when um, there wasn't too many people, you know, going there. I think it was on a, uh, I think it was, it was on a Friday. That's right. It was on a Friday. And I said, well, maybe, you know, a lot of people, Barbara, Barbara Morrison, she's, she's good, you know, but um, she's not really out there like she was because she was sick, you know, and she's out, for, she out of the circuit for a minute. So that's when I thought, you know, I, I proposed that to Andre and, and Ricardo. I said, you know, we come in here and bring some entertainment, you know, you know, pack out this place. So we go in there and we sit down at the table with D'Anthony, and he's all gung-ho. Yeah, this is why I want you. If you guys could bring, this is what's key. If you guys could bring in an entertainment, I'll leave it all to y'all. I'll leave it all to you. Y'all could take over and help me. Help me promote this place with the entertainment. Key words from his mouth. Now, does it look like he wants help? He needs help. Somebody. He needs help. He has Jay, Jay Jackson, who does a Lou Rawls um, tribute every now and again. He brings in a couple of acts, you know, here and there. Um, but still, the house is not packed. The most I might have seen there was maybe about 25, 30 people. And I've been there several times. And we're trying to help bring entertainment into this establishment. And he's talking about bringing in Barbara Streisand and 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 Herbie Hancock and all uh, this kind of stuff, brother. You gotta start from let's start from scratch first of all. <laughs> let's start from scratch. How are you gonna bring Herbie like, Hancock into a venue that can only speak three hundred people? <laughs> Herbie, now, wait a minute. Wait, wait, hold on. So let me stop you right there. We got a club right up here in the Bay Area called the Club Nico. Now, they didn't kick the blacks out a couple times out the Club Nico. But the Club Nico is a venue that it's a bit, it ain't even a venue, it's a vignette. So don't think it can't happen. The bottom line is you get the, no, right, person in, the right person in there with the right following, with the right promotion, the right ticket sales, it can happen. But that's the Look, listen to me. There's saint that falls on clubs. And when the saint falls on your club and you lose your audience, this is what's happening to have this is what has happened to us. Yeah, but Holmes, the thing is it is Ronnie has his audience. Ronnie has his audience. Ronnie has his fan base. Ronnie has his following. I mean, I just went to this little club over here in up in North Hills, little little jippy joint, packed out. But the thing of it is, it's packed out with white folks. So I'm saying, you know, he's got he's, he's got he got the circuit both, you know, from both aspects of it. Because now, not only does he do, do jazz, because he was he was um, 
Isaac Hayes, main bass man. You hear Hot Butter Soul and all them, all them um, um, songs that um, that uh, Isaac Hayes played. You hear that bass line? That's Ronnie Hudson. Ronnie Hudson went out and did his own thing. That song "California Dreaming" is playing, being played now. New is a new version now because he's hooked up with Dr. Dre, uh, Too Short, uh, John Wyclef. Um, and, and uh, Snoop Dogg, all of them, because of his line, he, he plays bass, and you know he's from the, he's from the old school, but he does jazz, he does R and B, he's worked with Stack Records. He wants to bring ah, he wants to bring in Mavis Staples to be a guest with him when he comes to home, and she's already given the okay. She said, "Oh, I would love to." When is when's the date? Okay. Okay, so, I got a question. I got a question. So can't we do this at another uh, establishment? What about oh, the Hilton over girl, there? By I'm, the I'm, you girl, you. Uh, I'm already ahead of it. I'm already ahead of it. <laughs> I'm already ahead of it. Why, I got. Why, I, why, why, why can't we go to I'm the Hilton a, over there by, uh, by the I'm, I'm already working on it, girl. You just you don't know. You oh, just. What about? I, I got you know, Andre. I got I, I'm, I'm like a I'm like a bulldog on a piece of steak. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've got some affiliation with this place in Hollywood called the Crest. I mean, but these these, these people are these people they want to have they want to have guarantees and contracts, and they're looking at you know when you really stop and think about booking artists, you got to be able to say this is what we've done, this is what we'll do for you. And we don't want to book five or six dates. We just want a four or five day run, and then we're moving on to uh, San Diego or Dana Point, you know, so that people think you're going to hit them on the way. You know, it's got to, you got to have, you can't be, you can't let them know that this is your first time at the dance. That, no, That's uh, the number one thing. Mm-mm. You can't let them know that, and you got to let them know, hey, this is what we do, this is who we can bring. And okay, this is how it's going to be. And don't take a Saturday night. Take a Thursday night. Why is that? Mm, no. Well, because 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 real people don't party on Saturday night. Real people in Los Angeles party on Thursday. They party on Sunday. Everybody. I mean, really, you think about it. When you go, do you, how many of you, do you, Rotham, do you go out on Saturday night? Or do you go yes, out on ma'am. Thursday night? No, I do not go out on Thursday night. I go on Saturday, Friday or Saturday night. Matter of fact, when I went out Friday, when I went out Saturday night, have you ever been to uh, La Louisiana? No. La Louisiana is over over here off off a over over hill in uh, Slauson. Okay. And it's a nice nice establishment, nice little establishment, packed out, packed. I mean, a lot of the cars was lined up. You know, I couldn't get in there. Um, packed out. I drive around to um, this place in, off of Malibu. I mean, off um, yeah, down off of Manhattan Beach. Um, another little club down at Cola Warehouse. Packed mm-hmm. out. Packed out. And these are weekends. Mm-hmm. These, are Friday, these are Friday and Saturday. So, mm-hmm. no, Fridays and Saturdays, the clubs are Clubs are popping, okay? They are popping. They, you know, um, but no, you you got you got the people who are looking for great entertainment. 
marketing. So, Bob, what do you think about that? Because you've been you've been booking and you you had some experience. What do you think about that? Well, it depends on who the owner is of the establishment. That's the first place, and you have to look at them and you got to try to figure them out. That's the first place. But since I've been around now, I have to talk about my daughter. My daughter has booked and packed out Monday through Saturday. In other words, she has worked every night of the week, and she has packed her clubs out. Uh, she sold out Yoshi's here four times, and that was one. You know, that's one of the biggest places going here. So I look at what she's doing. The main thing is advertising and putting yeah. stuff out and letting people know who's going to be there and who you are, okay? Yeah. And yeah. and if you don't do no advertising and let people know who you are, uh, you're fighting a crazy game anyway if you don't have a, a decent name act that everybody knows. Exactly. So I would say this. If you, if you, if uh, Sister Robin, if you, if you guys are down there in this guy's club and you still want to deal with him, here's what you deal with. Me and uh, Barbara had talked about doing some things in clubs. You take the club and you have a Monday night. Monday night, all the women are free. Men get in for $5, put your band in, make enough money to pay the band. Tuesday night, Black Tuesday. Black Tuesday, all the men get in free. Women, you come in and do the Wednesday night. Boom, you have another night for another thing. Thursday night, you have another thing going. What you're doing is you're rotating things within that one venue so that you'll be able to keep that venue going until you hit that streak with somebody that you know that they really like, and you'll say that building up to that certain day, you'll have this every week. Traditionally now, traditionally, as an entertainer myself traveling for years and getting back into it, Friday. Saturday have been great, great nights. Everybody wanted that because people are off. They are able to rest on the weekend, and they take Sunday off a lot of people. Sunday afternoon gigs were doing pretty good because people could go in Sunday and leave early. Another one was, again, is the Monday night. Now, why Monday night has been a big hit in many places, it's gotten me because people go to work on Monday and everything. But Monday night traditionally also has been a big hit. So it depends on your publicity. It depends on who the club only is. And it depends on who the people who are bringing in the performing and who your performers are. That's the bottom line. You got good performers, you're going to get good people. You got a good gimmick and advertising, they're coming. That's, That's right. Easy. That's key, though, but that, 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 was, that was one of the things that we had in mind because we had access, had access to this place Monday through, Monday through Sunday. And the thing of it is with those type of ideas that we were bringing to the table to bring in, the different, the different you know, like uh, women's free, uh, men five bucks, or, uh, and then even with his menu – his menu, the prices, I know you're in Beverly Hills, but still, um, you know, 28 bucks for a salad. Come on now. Let me stop you right there, Rosalind. Number one, when you, the way you've got to look at this, 
the way you got to look at booking is it's your own <laughs> private party. That's when you look at it. You look at it like you don't look at it well, like we're going to do this for your club. Well, I don't need you to do nothing for my club. This is my spot. If I lose money, that's my business. See what I mean? That's their attitude. The bottom line is you say, hey, on Wednesday night, I want to come up in here and I want to do a jazz thing. It's going to be my thing. And I know your food is kind of pricey, but what I really want you to do for me is put together a buffet. Just give me four pieces of some chicken wings, some french fries, you know, and just put them along the wall. We're going to be over here from, let's say, 7 to 11. And, we, and I'm going to invite my people, and I'm going to have an open mic with a band. But what you really plan to do is have your band with Ronnie Hudson starring, and you plan to bring all Ronnie Hudson's people and pack it out and eat up all the buffet food and make him stand around <laughs> bartending. But that's really what you mean to do. Uh, that's a good idea. A that's a very good idea. <laughs> listen, uh, listen, yeah, a, a barkeep, you know, listen to yeah. me, a yeah, barkeep bar is not your partner. Uh-uh. Not unless you sleeping with him. Bar uh-uh. keeps ain't your partners. Owner club owners ain't your partners. They ain't uh-uh. your friends. They got two and three registers, and that's all they want to do is stand and watch them registers. So what you got to do is don't be part of his main thing. Be the best side dish he's ever had. That's how you're working. And then you keep an email list. Rotate whoever you want to have on your open mic and then go to the next club that's down the street and have to Wednesday we are popping over here and Thursday we popping down the street. Well, you know, I just went to, last weekend I just went to a club for my birthday. I didn't know what was going to happen. Happy and birthday, sir. I, thank you. Oh, I just, happy birthday. I, happy belated birthday. All right. I tried to get the people at this place to have live entertainment. They tried one time, but they didn't do it right. So when I went last weekend, guess what? They had a jazz band. They had a beautiful woman there singing. I got up and did a couple of numbers. My daughter got up and did a couple of numbers and sang happy birthday and stuff. And guess what? The place was packed. They have not been that packed really since they had the business. They've closed several times. Now they are smoking on Sunday afternoons with a whole complete buffet of fried chicken, baked chicken, barbecue chicken, turkey wings, turkey necks, turkey tails, greens, yams, cornbread. I mean, hey, you just you pay twenty one dollars to get in and eat until you go to sleep, mm-hmm. and they are packed. So, uh, Barbara, you did have a good idea when you said that, and I just went, matter of fact, I'm going this coming Sunday, by the grace of God, I'll be going there with my son, uh, Anton's 41st birthday. And we're well, gonna I think, I, I, think I might get $21 and come to that. But let me just say this. Yeah, That's everybody will do it. You don't try to be the main thing. The main dish, it's like courting. It's like dating. You know, when you've got a program that you're trying to implement, you don't try, you don't try to be nobody's main thing. That's too much responsibility. If something goes wrong, 
the person get Ronnie Hester getting a car accident, you late. I mean, anything can happen. It's all going to be your fault. Everything that goes wrong is going to be on you. You just want to do something. That can happen anytime. You You, you want to just do, huh? That can happen anytime. I mean, I, that could be that could be You want to do something cute, and you want to pack it up, and then you want to be able to move it where you want to take it. Because remember, you and the club owner are just dating. He ain't your man. So you want to be able to pack up and get out and go take your group someplace else when you get your group established. Which That's I've already really started doing. Do I've already got that in the works already. So That's yeah, I understand. Yep, I understand. Yeah, mm-hmm. Andre, 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 what do you say to that? Hey, I'm on it. You the boss. You run the music, and so I trust Rock your judgment. And uh, if if you have an alternative platform, that's. Uh, you know, I'm not going to use the word user-friendly, but operate with integrity. Yes. And, yes. and if they operate with integrity, you know, we'll get down with them and we'll bring every T2 by ZL artist that we have into the place. And yes. we'll have celebrities come in. You know, as you guys know, once we get real with this and you know i can make calls to some of my friends down there and say hey go on over to the place and people that you know you see on the on the movie screen and so um you know it, it just needs people that's going to operate out of integrity and and it's just a shame because we had a great relationship that started out with him but i still think that there is still some sourness because of the, the thing that Ricardo Scales did back in the December 31st thing. And I don't think that he has recouped from that. And he just needs to put that behind him. And But the thing of it is, he um, looking at we tried to help him because all he did was go down and get some group out of South Central somewhere that, once again, only drew 15, 20 people. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he's going to also do what is called but I, but I talk to people. I talk to people down in Los Angeles, and, and home ain't happening. It ain't happening. People don't want to go over there. So so that's, so that's the bottom line. He already done tore his pants with the, the people that want to go out and kick it. What, are their, what are their reasonings? What are their reasonings? What, they, they said it ain't happening. The food ain't good. They say it's open sometime. It ain't always open. The music ain't good. It's too far to drive. They don't want to go. That's what they say. Let's see. Here's the thing. Let me me just say this, Barbara. Here's the campus right around the corner from Rodeo Drive. Now, see, the people you're talking about are living down there in the lower part of probably L.A. or mid-L.A. or something that's got to make that longer drive. I don't know anybody that lives in the lower part of L.A. Did you just say it was too far to drive? Yeah, they live in Japan Canyon. My people live in Altadena. My people live in Roland Heights. My people live up in the Hollywood Hills. Hollywood Hills is right around the corner. You're not listening to what I'm saying. They drive and pass the club to go to the club they like. That's what I'm saying. And home is not. So you got to figure out what is on people's radar 
I mean, this is just the way I would do it. I would figure out what is on people's radar, and then I would pick up a Tuesday or Wednesday night. What's wrong with that? But you know what? He, he's right in a place like Govan, Rand, Kimball's East over here in, in Emeryville. When, when old man Kimball had the place, it was always jumping. But Govan had the opportunity to come in, pick the place up, and when he came in, he used to operate bars out there on East 14 somewhere, and he brought that East 14 mentality into Kimball's East, and you can't do that. And it went all to hell. The food was lousy. Nancy Wilson sat there and talked to me one-on-one for 30, 45 minutes to an hour and said that she'll never come back here ever again because of the way it's being run. And and Nancy always performed there. And so he lost all the hooks, the name hooks, because nobody wanted to perform there. The next thing you know, he started just getting just the local open people that we all know, and the next thing you know, the rest of history in place was shut down. If you're going to be in these type of establishments, you got to bring it so whereas you're going to get the people who don't mind spending $100, $150, $200 to come in and get into the place because they're right there in the community. You're one of the richest communities in the whole freaking world right there in, in Beverly Hills. It's Rolls Royces and Lamborghinis all parked outside the place. And they're okay. going to other little establishments. And so Can I give you, you another play idea? Game, play it. Can I give you another idea? Go ahead. Okay, forget that, okay, because clubs have an, a lifespan of about 18 months. That's it. Mm-hmm. A club is only good for 18 months. Talent is good forever. Clubs, are they got a nice spot, 18 to two years, 18 months to two years. That's the bottom line. So you can't get attached to a club, especially a club that's not, owned, not in its own timing. Now, right now, Sheila E. just opened a, a club over in um, Toluca Lake. No, I was there. Now, Sheila E. and her whole Pete, all of them, they friends of mine. Now, listen here. Get a Tuesday night or Wednesday night and have an open mic with Jazz. Ain't nobody mad at that. But don't go for Saturday night. Don't go for Friday night. Or yeah. if you don't like if you don't like it over there, try this. Try a gospel brunch and do a daytime thing on Sunday after church with the buffet and be done by seven o'clock. Oh, you know, that's a good idea, but I would say this too. That number one, I remember we used to do it a long time ago. Stuff that worked a long time ago still works today if somebody can work it. And it'll sound like you you are working with some clubs down there. If you had about seven clubs that you could deal and you had to act with you, you could do what is called a round robin. This is what's being done now by a group oh, called yeah. the Black Mafia. Yeah. The yeah. Black Mafia has got all the clubs wrapped up. And what they're doing the Black Mafia is going from one club to the other with all of their acts, and it's and it's a round robin, and it's mm-hmm. continues to go. And so the clients that come are following the round robin because they know mm-hmm. they're going to have the good acts there, 
And if you wanted to go that way and do buffet, have your round robin buffet. And you have heard You'll be round packing people still. Round robin's been around for a while, though, ain't it, uh, Bob? Because uh, I've, heard, I've heard round robins before. I've heard yeah. it been done before. It's been around for a minute. Yeah, it's been around, and it works. Yeah, yeah. That's what, it I, really that's works. what I said. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Well, Barbara, well, you have been on two hours and 20 minutes. This yeah, is a record. I got to go. I got to go. Uh, yeah, because you had us on there. <laughs> yeah. We got a whole lot to talk about. Yeah, that's why I, I like these type of formats. You know, it, because there's no telling where we're going to, where, where did we start and where did we end? Boy, we, we came a long way tonight. We've been across this country through Africa, the Middle East, Vietnam, <laughs> Beverly Hills, South Central LA. We've we, we been all over the place tonight. And that's why these, these shows, even though it's just us on the line and whoever else may be listening that we can't see on the screen, but it's just been interesting, interesting conversation, and I think this is a record. I don't think any show on anybody's show has gone two hours and 20 minutes. And well, so, uh, I, I wanted to just say to Rosalind, I said, keep your head up, Rosalind. Don't worry. It is going to click. Oh, you know, but, it's, but, it's, but it's all about timing. And remember, the minute you get a good booking and you have a great, the night that you have the great night is the night you invite the next club owner and you don't introduce him. You just have somebody from his spot come over to the spot and have a couple drinks and see you doing it so that you can go right over to his club on the next night. That's how you got to do it because L.A. is funny. They don't care about what you used to do or what you just did. They're interested in what's happening right now and what can you do for me tomorrow. That's what you're going to do. That's right. That's right. Yes, right. It's very immediate. It ain't like no yeah. place else. Yeah. And so when, when you when you think about that, you know, just remember that men don't like us booking talent. They don't feel like we can do that. That's a man's thing. So don't try to book the talent. Just say, hey, I want to hold an open mic. I got some friends want to come play with me. And and you just invite all your people when you when they come. Yeah, I gotta agree with what Ronnie said. Hey, take that twenty first date, let's pack it out, and let's get to go. Yep. And let him see what T two five CL can do. And I'm telling you, I'm gonna put a call into my boy down there. I'm gonna see if we can if if they're in town. I want to get all the top names in Hollywood to uh, come to the place. I'm going to see yeah. if I can pull some favors and people I know, people I don't know. And uh, I would drop some names right there, but that wouldn't be cool. Let's just wait. Let's just see what's going to happen. And then let's start some SH, bleep, bleep, T, and, and let's make something happen here. And we just yep. move all kick rocks and, and make it do what it do. Yep, yep, yep. And put that round robin in place. Yep. Because that's a very good idea. <clears throat> I mean, that, that's I'm, I'm, I'm on, on, the, on the road, too. Okay. All, All right, Sister Barbara, go ahead on a, and wrap it up. Go ahead. Okay, well, you've been, up, listening. you've been listening to Straight Talk with the Hard Brush with the T.C. <laughs> family. 
And we got Pastor Bob. Oh, Pastor Bob is interested in having. What happened with the with the pastor that was on? He he's gone. I got to call him. He hasn't done a show since December 2nd. I think some things happened over there at AAA. Because the last show that he was on, he said that they, they got a new overseer over there. And uh, he was bouncing us out of their left and right. No, they say us. That, once again, that's that's us. And, uh, and his job was in danger. And so he has a family and stuff. And maybe he's on the economic rebound. But I, I have to give him a call. You know, and I've been busy myself dealing with all my issues, but um, I might say it right now, but tomorrow I may even forget I even said that tonight. So, okay. um, but I do need Bob, to touch bases with him. Well, you know, Bob uh, was perhaps is thinking about having like a Bible study. He likes that idea. He likes that forum. I think we could use, I think we could use a couple of new shows. One would be like a news show, and I think we need to have a religious forum, even if it's just a Bible, a thirty-minute um, religious talk with a little um, Bible study. I think would be good, and a news show. What do you think about that, Rosalind? A news show? A news show? Yeah. Is it based around theology or just news? No, that, are you saying that's all one and the same, or is that separate? You no, know, when I uh, there's two different shows I'm talking about. One would oh, be yes, yeah, uh, a Bible study, similar, you know, whatever Pastor Bob wants to come up with. But I'm thinking 30 minutes, and I'm thinking once a week, and I'm thinking whatever night you think. And he has, you know, a scripture, and then does a prayer, and then does a little bit of a reading, and you know, have to study with an open forum, something like that. And then oh, I yeah. think we need to have a current event show, a show that talks about current events, you know. Definitely. I think that, you know, I think that would be a good thing that people would want to call in about. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. If we can start another spiritual show, a current event show, that would be great. We also need a real estate show. We need a legal show, and we need a financial show. Yeah, and we need oh, about Martin Beck. Yeah, but remember, Andre, we need to reach out to these young people. I keep telling you, we need to start this show with um, some young people who would take over and, you know, just have their young people call in because, you know, you got to reach out to that young audience. Okay. That's, well, that's, let me Remember my little nephew was talking about that. You know, gotta have a show. Got to have let it. Me tell you, let me tell you what I can do for that. Once I get, uh, um, give me another 30 days to do another casting and get myself some beauty contestants, maybe we can um, come up with a recurring young people show that we put guest hosts on, and if we don't have a guest host for that week, we throw in a beauty pageant contestant. Well, I've got um, three young people that I've got lined up already, but uh, the more we have, you know, we can kind of, you know, um, uh, cycle them out, you know, have them like a, uh, rotate them out. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I mean. That's exactly yeah, and, and Marley I mean. should be maybe like a panel of them because it'll be hard to get a young person to be consistent. Yeah. If you had a yeah. panel of maybe four or five of them, and if one of them got busy one week, at least you'll have three or four of them. And yeah. stuff, they can piggyback off of one another. Yeah. 
Could I say something about that too? You know, you have several schools around here in Oakland where they are communication schools with young people, and their job every day is to either be on television or radio, and they're being trained to do that right now. And probably if you contact some of those people, you won't have to worry about no kid showing up uh, to be on those shows because they'd love to have a show. They're already doing them, and they're they're being trained to go out into the field to do them in these several schools that's financed, I believe, by either, I think the city of Oakland has one, I believe, down on uh, San Pablo Street, if I'm not mistaken, have a radio and TV show. I can check on it for you. And then there's the FM station in, uh, I think it's Berkeley, which has been allowing the students to come in and do their own thing for a while. So there are some places you can probably tap. Uh, Mm -hmm. But one main thing about uh, about your radio station is that you've got to have some type of advertising out with handbills or placards or something. I've been writing stuff down on paper, giving it to people, and some of the people actually told me they called in, but several times uh, they said they couldn't get nobody when they called in. But uh, somebody did get in and just sit down and listen. They didn't say anything. So advertising is something that brings people in. Even if you had a club to go to, and say tonight at T25CL night, everybody show up. We're gonna give you a card, or somebody's gonna win a one of them ninety-nine cent. You pay twenty-five cent for it, and it costs ninety-nine cent radios or something to have people drawn so they can say, "Hey, you guys tune into this show next week. It's gonna be out of sight." But without no advertising, you, you, you're fighting everything. It's word to mouth. But I am hearing about the station. So that's one thing to think about is getting that advertising out because I can see this station being a monster. Oh, yeah. You know, something else, too, I've been wanting to have discussions, too, with all the moderators. One thing that would be good, just, just like what we're doing tonight, you know, just like how Steve Harvey might have two or three people on his show, and then remember Kevin Brown had uh, the other sister on there with him co-hosting. I'm a firm believer that every moderator should have a co-host, mm-hmm. and it does. It adds another dynamic to the whole show because mm-hmm. now you got a couple of people there, and you always got. Uh, some type of synergy going. It can be two different points of uh, view, just like what you guys are doing tonight on Africa. You guys have two different points of view on it, and all that stuff makes great listening. And uh, it's just always great to have a helpmate, even when Lorenzo had Lisa on there, and she hasn't been on in a few weeks. But it was great having her on there to assist him, and she would have been great last week when she, when Lorenzo had that PhD from the University of Nebraska on. She would have complimented him very, very, very well. So I, I'm a firm believer in having co-partner the shows, and I try to be on every show to help everybody out. 
I missed last Wednesday night because I just had a disastrous day throughout the course of the day, and I went to the local establishment and had some apple cider sitting at a bar. And so, uh, and I and believe me, I'm not turning the alcohol or anything like that. I was just a little frustrated that day because of some legal and judicial issues. I was going to talk on that stuff tonight, but we know we'll be on here another half hour or so. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it some other time. And uh, but no, I, I'm a firm believer that you, you should have uh, somebody else on there. And then uh, always have somebody, a ghost, in the background typing in those questions and stirring some mess up. I think I found uh, I think I found a, a great co-host in my newfound friend out of North Carolina, Ethan oh, uh, yeah. Hoskins. Yeah. He, he he loves coming onto the show. He loves uh, co-hosting with me. So he's been a good asset too. Oh yeah, he's he's cool, and he had a nice show the other day. That, that called yeah. Him. yeah, yeah. He didn't call on me, but uh, I just listened. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so that's something good. Uh, Lorenzo definitely needs it, too. And uh, I wish he was on here tonight because he kind of botched a few things last week with the questions that I was typing in. He wasn't reading them correctly. And that's not good when you have a Ph.D. on your show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we just got to keep the synergy level up. And like Pastor Bob says, too, putting it out there. And realistically, it really hits your warm market. I say this all the time. Hit your warm market with three or four people. And just have your warm market invite one person. And then they can invite one person. And you can easily get 12, 13 people on the shows just that you control yourself. And also when you have guests on, the guests need to get that video email so that they can send it out to their email database. Yep, yep. It's very important that the guests have their war market on because they're familiar with their work and what they do. And they can ask some intelligent questions that the host can, uh, I mean, the guests can relate to because they know them. They know their music or if they're in the movies or if they're a doctor or whatever. They, they got to invite their own people on. And so these are things that, oh, and also set your shows up on time. Get, get us the information so we can put your video emails together. Also, now let's mention that word video email. You guys need to do your own videos every week. You can go on a Wowie and do it. Just look right there at your computer. Look at a camera right there on your computer and just tell the world who your guest is going to be this week. And then put it in the library and I can send it out. We need you to send us the stuff. We need you to send us the stuff. That's what you got to do. You got to Give us the password, <clears throat> the rules on how to do it, so we can take care of that. And if not, you have, um, don't you have, uh, Rosalind, you have an iPhone? I do. Yeah, you know, you could do your, I think I'm going to do my own, my own little video. Because, you know, I, Bob and I did a video 
television show, and I video, videoed the video with my iPhone, and I used that on Facebook. And I got more views. I got like 150 views of that, opposed to when I send out the emails and people send back, please stop, you know, sending the emails to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I... I um... Uh, what Andre is talking about, I I do my iwawi, but I'm gonna start doing my own video, actual video, and uh, have it at different locations so it'll be you know refreshing. I think that's the key. You can do it right there in front of your computer. That's why I sent you guys that one that that preacher did. I know. See, Barbara, know what I'm talking about. Barbara hmm. knows what I'm talking about. We want to make it fresh. We don't just want to sit at one location and say we're 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 parked right here in front of our computer. We want to go somewhere, you know, some someplace different each time and do a do a shoot a little video, you know. Uh, even if we have the even if we have our guests with us. Hey, how about that? Oh, that's cute. See, I love that. Yes, have our guests with us do a video show. I mean, if they're close by, you know, somewhere where you can where you can meet up somewhere and do a little short video. Look, listen, tonight we're gonna have this is my guest tonight. My Ronnie's gonna hey Ronnie, tell my tell my guests, you know, what we're gonna you know something like that. I Let love it. it. I, you know yep. what? I'll do that when I go to um, the Capitol. This uh, when I'm with Miss California, I'll do it. There you we'll go. See yes. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, me and her, like a little thirty-second yeah. hit. All right, okay, you guys. Well, you're the best. You're better than the rest. Well, uh, yeah, I gotta go. So uh, I get up early. Working girl. Yeah, two yeah. hours and forty minutes. This is a record. All yes, right. it is. Good you show. Love yeah. you, bro. I love okay. you, bro. Yeah, and call me, call so uh, on your on your doing your little thirty second thing. Yeah. Uh, I can take my camera, which I have an awesome camera. I can take my camera and get all your guests wherever you want to go, and then you can redo them on uh, DVD, and then shoot what you want off the DVD and run as many as you want. I love it. Okay, bro. All right, you guys. All right. Okay. All right. See you later. Good night. Okay, bye. Love and kisses. Bye. 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 Yes, With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.